0: Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Well, hello everyone and welcome back to Game Over Winnipeg. My name is Liz and I am joined by my wonderful friend Justin today to break down this overtime win for the Winnipeg Jets against the Nashville Predators. I hope everyone's having a lovely St. Patrick's Day weekend and is recovering well. Honestly, I think if I had gone out and partied last night for St. Paddy's Day, this would have been like a great way to spend my saturday afternoon like an excuse to veg and just watch the hockey game um but it was not the most relaxing game of all time lots to talk about lots of you know lots of winnipeg jets hockey going on out there today so justin how are you doing i'm
1: doing well Liz. Uh, appreciate you having me on and yeah definitely excited to dive into this roller coaster of a game for sure
0: Yes, so for those of you who are joining us live in the chat, welcome and hope you're having a wonderful Saturday. Uh, Feel free to share your thoughts. I already see there are some people uh, chatting about what they thought about the game in particular. I can't believe we have to talk about a Neil Pionk overtime win. We will talk about that. I fully agree. Um, And uh, for those of you who are live in the chat, thank you so much for being here. Make sure you like the stream and hit subscribe. And for those of you who are listening back later today or tomorrow, um, I hope that you didn't go into this game watching either a replay or wanting to hear the recap, hoping that everyone is going to be thrilled and it's all going to be a bed of roses because they pulled out a win. Uh, Lots to talk about in this game. That's not always um, the most positive, but there was a lot of good in this game as well that I think is really important to note. So I think we'll kind of go through, um, you know, the motions of this game and how it went. Uh, Justin Brady in the chat says hello. So um, Justin's a, a fan favorite here in the Winnipeg Jets community. So we're both, we're both Jets fans. So we have a lot of thoughts on a lot of what we saw tonight um, or to it's 4 p.m. It's today, Whatever. today. It's, it's force not a so habit, hard. right? You know, yeah, no, literally. Hockey, hockey is an evening <laughs> thing. But uh, right. so, Justin, what, uh, what were some of your preliminary thoughts on this game, maybe going into it, as well as what you saw as a general kind of idea and theme throughout the game?
1: Oh boy, well, um, obviously a huge game when you look at the Sandings. I mean, when we got Nino from the from the Predators, and you know they're kind of selling off, and then they had those injuries too to some of their top guys. You know, you're thinking that well, they're tanking, they're kind of just like selling and they're not going to be anything to worry about. And then they're kind of going on this run. Soros is hot and they're just kind of getting, you know, some of these AHL, you know, young players coming up and stepping up. And it's like, wow, this is a huge game. Nashville's right on our tail. So you're kind of hoping that, you know, there was some good, some bad against some of the, you know, league's top competition there at out east. And and you're kind of hoping that, well, you know, this is now a step down from that. And you're thinking, Hopefully they can you know take the take the positives in and have a have a good smooth uh, show here. But it was anything but that. I, I honestly felt like about 45, 50 minutes of that game. I'm just like I'm I'm Kevin Shovel Day off in the press box there with his like you know hands over his face. Just he you know face palm. Can't believe what's going on. You know stressed out. I I, I thought for sure this was uh, had a Jets loss written all over it. You know, I mean just 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 recently you know most of this year they've had trouble scoring you know they've been out shooting teams that was a problem in in past years that they they couldn't out chance and out shoot teams and now but they could always you know uh make up for it in the in the finishing department and now it's kind of reversed and they just they just can't seem to score and I didn't I didn't know that the goals were coming and thankfully uh Nick Ehlers with the beauty there gets them going and you know you're thinking okay well maybe there's something and then and then they 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 give give it right back up what was like 30 seconds later and it's like oh boy you're thinking this is going to be a backbreaking loss but somehow they found a way and i mean good teams find ways to win i'm not sure that i'm ready to call the jets a good team again but it's a definitely an important win and glad to see that they were able to get the job done one way or another
0: yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, like you said, so many circumstances surrounding this game and every game over the course of the next you know, couple of weeks as the season closes out is going to be important. But these interdivision ones against the likes of, of Nashville in particular, and also I believe we have some Colorado and, and Minnesota coming up as well. Like Those ones are going to be huge. Um, and I think it's really important to... Prove that you can win in the situations where you Have to win this was a must win game um, And the next game at the Beginning of April against Nashville is going to be a must win Game as well um, obviously things can Change in a dime in this division and one Clear two point win um, And a zero point loss can Change the um, you know change The weight of the scales significantly so I think Going into this one that was probably on the top Of everyone's minds um, and So I think that The ability to kind of step up a little bit and play decent hockey. Like like you said, um, the finishing was an area that was lacking and that's something that I attribute a little bit more to talent and almost a little bit of momentum and timing as opposed to anything else. To me, the generation of chances and things like that is something that you have a little bit more control over as like a unit, as a team, I feel like. So that's the kind of thing that I feel like seeing... Um, that the team was able to do a a lot of that tonight was good. Um, My kind of particular beef um, with that is that I think that the Jets um, did a pretty good job of, well, in particular, gaining the zone today. I thought that Nashville was extremely loose on their own blue line. I didn't think that they were as tight up front. Um, You know, normally Nikolai Ehlers is a player that, is very noticeable because he's one of the only ones who's able to gain the zone almost at will. And it seemed like a lot of people were able to do that today. It didn't seem like a particular area of of weakness, which is good because I find that the Jets sometimes fall into a little bit of a trap when they can't gain the zone very easily. Um, but I thought that their secondary chances were where they struggled. I think they were able to gain the zone a little bit. And then I didn't think they were putting enough... I think the combination of not putting enough pucks on net and also not having proper rebound control and collapsing the net to tuck in. Any kind of rebounds is poor today. Obviously, when you have the goalie like UC Saros, you need to be putting pucks on the net and hoping to scrap in some garbage goals and things like that because it's a fantastic goaltender. And if you just rely on cycling the puck for 30 seconds just for one really, really, really nice shot, the odds of him saving that really, really nice shot is a lot higher than a lot of other goaltenders you'd face in the league. So I feel like they needed to throw more garbage on him and then pot in more garbage and, and win a couple more battles in front there were a couple of times where I thought the defenseman had some nice shots down, um, you know, from up top and things like that. And there were a couple of loose rebounds that Soros let out, but there was no one there. Um, and Nashville was able to scoop them up pretty easily and, and get out and transition. So I think that was a particular area that I noticed that I didn't like in the Winnipeg Jets game today. Uh, any thoughts on that? Any agreement, disagreement?
1: Yeah, I, I definitely see where you're coming from. I think, uh, especially with that point that they, I felt like they were, you know, uh, it was a little bit too easy, if you look at it from a Nashville perspective, for the Jets to kind of gain the zone. I felt like they had, like, I think in the first uh, 10 minutes of the game, like Nashville maybe only had, like, one minute of zone time compared to, like, the Jets' five or six minutes. Like, you know, they, they were kind of dominating that regard. But for, for, for me, I just think that the Jets, they, they, like, the Jets forwards, they kind of have trouble to know what to do with the puck in the offensive zone. Like they kind of do this this cycle thing and then, you know, the 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 high low try and get tip rebounds in front. But it just seems like it's not really working right now. And any kind of chance off the cycle, it just seems like they're kind of like half a step off or, you know, the puck will bounce on somebody like I know uh, there was a huge chance there. Sandberg uh, got it right in front to to Connor, who like when he's on 99 times out of a hundred, he's getting that puck and he's ripping it on net. And this was the one time where he fumbles a puck in the slot. And it's just, it's kind of seems like, you know, the, like they, they did have the zone time. I don't think that the quality of shots was there. And they, and it's not like they didn't even get into some quality areas. Like the Jets had many, you know, three on ones, two on ones, you know, where they, they they couldn't even get a shot away. So it it just seems like I don't know, just kind of that 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 final touch is just just lacking right now for the Jets in the offensive zone. And it's kinda of, it's it's it to to me they're relying on too much like greasy goals and, and, and low chance uh shooting opportunities. And maybe maybe that's the reason for the for the struggles in scoring lately. But uh yeah, that's kind of my thoughts on that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I have a million dollar question for you before we uh, move into the next part here. So I'm going to share a quick word from our partners. So it's March Mania at Sports Interaction, NHL, NBA, March Madness, MLB, so much more. Um, Play Pinata Picks and Minute Madness exclusive games with insane odds that you can't play anywhere else. Make your bet with Sports Interaction. Download the app in Ontario using the QR code that's on your screen here or head to sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn to get started. 19 plus, please play responsibly so Justin with 12 games left in the season are you taking the over or the under on Kyle Connor scoring like three and a half goals for the rest of the season
1: well I mean I just feel like like they showed the graphic I think it's it was was it even strength shooting percentage or maybe it was just shooting percentage but like for his last like 15 games or something it's sitting at like two point five three yeah. percent yeah something <laughs> ridiculous so like if I'm a betting man, I know what Kyle Connor's, you know, done in the past and I know like there has to be some positive regression coming. He's just too talented of a player to not. So, I mean, I'm hitting the over, but like based on his game today and the last few games, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned because, you know, he hasn't really looked himself. And so I, I, you know, I, I I hope he gets it going. I, I have faith. I'm taking the over, but Oh boy, I don't know what's happened with him over the past few games.
0: Yeah, and I think that that kind of can bleed into, you know, we talked a little bit about the importance of finishing in this game in particular. I think it was on full display. And uh, Brady says in the chat, 26 on the power play is a black hole. And Noah's in the chat sharing some uh, bones post-game quotes as always. Um, And he says that, um, you know, obviously how, how to get the PP going is the million dollar question right now. And they move some guys around and they need to develop more of a shooting mentality, I think. Honestly, um, Brady and I spoke about this a little while ago and we were talking about how Kyle Connor is one of those players that doesn't really generate a ton of momentum, but when the momentum is there, he's one of the ones that capitalizes on it and helps like move it forward and helps really fire up the team because when everyone's firing on all cylinders, he's the one who's actually scoring the goals, which gets everyone fired up. And right now, that momentum's just not really there and he's, I think, suffering because of it. And I think him being in a bit of a slump, not a bit, a lot of a slump, um, is also part of the reason why I think the power plays just look so poor. Because, you know, even if they were still making these slow passes or making these predictable whatevers, if Kyle Connor was scoring every other time he was on the ice in the power play, we wouldn't feel the same way. So what are your thoughts on the power play right now and what we saw tonight?
1: Well, to me, um, I think that this power play, it just needs – more Nikolai Ehlers number one. I'm not sure that that's the surefire fix because to be honest, I, I haven't totally hated the, the, the movement and the kind of chances that they're creating the, I guess the problem is, is kind of getting set up. Like it seems like, you know, on the, on the power play, they, they kind of really struggle to sometimes gain the zone. And then even when they gain the zone, you know, they, they're just not winning the the, the battles to so the loose puck. And it, it kind of goes down 200 feet again. So I think, Nikolai Ehlers you know zone entry abilities and the way that when he's on you know the dynamic skater and playmaker that he is I think he's the obvious fix to that power play I think you could still run a power play with Ehlers, Shifley, Connor as your main shooters with Dubois down low and Morrissey up top I think that that's still a very frightening power play when it's on and I mean to me just just not to not to really rag on Blake Wheeler but you know, I think he's lost a step on the power play, you know, for, for years, if we're talking three, four five years ago, he was an elite, you know, PP1, uh, you know, he was just such an elite passer on that and setting up, you know, line A or Shifley or Connor, whoever it was, it was automatic. But I think he's kind of taken that, you know, another step back and it's unfortunate, but that's kind of what happens with age. And I just think that, you know, more Nikolai Ehlers could do a lot of good. I think the power play has been struggling recently and bonus, you know, kind of hasn't really been, has been really hesitant to, to giving Ehlers or, or that second unit some, some looks. And I think to, to me, the power play one hasn't done enough. I mean, Nikolai Ehlers, you know, he scored that tying goal, make it one, one there. And then the Predators answered back right away. But then Ehlers, you know, he draws a penalty himself. And what drove me kind of nuts is not only did he not start that power play, which I felt could have been totally reasonable, he got, I think, 15, 20 seconds of a split, you know, uh, on the fly uh, shift on the power play. And then once Schmidt kind of took it down low and got that offensive zone face off, they trotted out that same power play one that's been so brutal the last few games. It just hasn't really generated much. And it's just like, oh, my goodness, like, I, I don't know what it'll take. Um, But but to me, I think that's 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 my number one fix that has to be tried. I think that's the best iteration of the power play. And I think. You know, come the playoffs, you can't be spreading out. You know, some of these guys onto the second unit. I think you need your best five out on the ice, and I think that five includes Nikolai, Ehlers, to be sure.
0: Absolutely, and I think that um, you know the the unit that you created there that leaves someone like Blake Wheeler to still be a viable option in the second unit. And like you said, he's had all this um, this success in the past, and you know he has the ability. So um, maybe on a unit that can focus a little bit more on him. Um, he might be a little bit better because right now I feel like he's just struggling to keep up with all of the really fantastic shooting threats that he's got going on and struggling to find those seams and those passes. Um, we have um, <laughs> um, someone from Game Over Montreal who's in the chat right now um, who says they're they're visiting and also waiting for the Pierre-Luc Dubois for a third rounder trade. So Brady's giving grief in the chat. Don't worry, don't worry. Brady Brady's on that for us. Um, but uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois is one player that... Um, Kind of, I, I like in that spot down low on the power play. I do prefer Mark Shifley in the middle up there. So having him there is kind of, I don't know, a screen or even if he wants to be more along the goal lines and getting through so Mark Shifley can get that one timer, which I must say, seeing Mark Shifley in the middle of the ice on a five on four power play against the Nashville Predators yellow really brought something out in me today. I was yeah. like, oh my gosh, <laughs> these memories. I've watched highlights of these games so many times from the 2017-2018 playoffs, and I just I felt a little bit of something in my heart, and I was like, wow, this is... Um, but that's besides the point. Purely Dubois uh, is someone that I think is really um, important to keep on that first unit, um, and that leaves Nino you know, Niederreiter as well to be, play on the second unit, which I think is a great fit as well. Um, but Purely Dubois obviously back from injury tonight, which is extremely important for the Winnipeg Jets moving forward. That's a really important piece to their top six. Um, however, <laughs> I didn't think that he would looked uh, at his best tonight. Any thoughts on Luc Dubois' game?
1: Yeah, he was definitely a step or even two steps behind. I mean, maybe that's to be expected. He's kind of had a couple of run-ins with the injury bug and, you know, kind of trying to get back up to game speed. It's, it's going to be tough, especially in such a, you know, intense affair. Um, I mean, I think, obviously, he'll be fine. He's a great player, fantastic player. Uh, you know, down the stretch, he's going to be super important. But definitely kind of, you know, I, I felt kind of struggled, kind of fought, uh, you know, the pace. I mean, he did have that that breakaway chance right at the end of the third, and or I guess partial breakaway, if you will. And, you know, he kind of fanned on it and, you know, just kind of some... uh you know, plays where you can kind of tell there's a little bit of rust. And I know that the, the, the broadcasters were kind of mentioning it too. But but despite all that, of course, he's still, uh, you know, in the in the corners and getting physical and, and starting, you know, uh, being a pest out there. I know he's kicking Karen's stick and kind of got a rise, which I thought, yeah, that's, that's typical Pierre-Luc Dubois. Even if he's not, you know, in the game kind of offensively or, or driving play, you know, he's at least going to be that pest that's, that's really annoying and, and, and hard to play against. Which you know is a is a plus. I also think that obviously him being back helps solidify that top six a lot better. So, you know, I'm 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 hoping that he gets it uh, kind of going here because the the Jets need him and the Jets have definitely missed him. So glad to see him back, but uh, hopefully he's got another step or two in him down the down the stretch here.
0: Yeah, you mentioned that breakaway man, oh, man. I was a healthy feel like to scores on that every single time. <laughs> I don't care who's in net. Um, and I he he wanted that call that that. There was a stick that got up in his hands, but he'd fanned on the puck before that stick was even up there. I was like, man, oh, man, this guy. But um, he he redeemed himself, obviously, in the overtime. Right? It would have been nice not to give Nashville an extra point there, but uh, coming through in the overtime, I think he made the right call on, on that entry. I I liked the play because I didn't think... Um, I think in, in an overtime against UC Saros, you need to pull the goalie out of his socks a little bit. I think if you're shooting straight on, like obviously Nikolai Ehlers' goal tonight was beautiful, but... Um, I don't think that scoring in overtime, you need to, um, you know, there, there's more clarity, there's not as much traffic in front of the net, so those straight on shots um, are going to get saved most of the time. So I really liked the play that Pierre-Luc Dubois made there, I think it was the right call, uh, and obviously we got Neil Pionk to tap that home. Um, both Justin and I, I know, have struggled a little bit with Neil Pionk, um, and if anyone here is a game over regular, um, they know that I struggle with Neil Pionk on the... <laughs> Pretty much every time I'm on the show, so. Um, but uh, having that goal for him was nice. I, I'm happy for him. Obviously, if he's going to continue to play in this lineup and the role that he's in, we have no control over that. Of course, um, I like to see him have his wins. I want him to continue to play better. So if that fires him up a little bit and he can start being not bad, that would be fantastic.
1: <laughs> that would definitely be a start. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely good to see him you know, get that overtime goal. And I know he, he does kind of chip in with some offense. So, you know, I guess that's kind of why bones kind of still has him, you know, up in that, in that second pairing role and getting such a, you know, uh, uh, getting, you know, a lot of the ice time, a lot of the matchups to me, I, I felt that he had a pretty poor game, um, up to that goal. So, you know, pretty fitting that he does get that goal and, you know, good for him. The jets needed that goal and, you know, it's a, it's a big goal. You'll take it, but, uh, yeah, I, I thought on that first goal, you know, he kind of chipped a, a little backhand a, a little weakly up the boards. Now, to be fair to him, there wasn't really much support. I felt like Nashville had a really good forecheck there. But where it kind of really bugged me is that uh, he didn't really get back and, and, and cover for his for his turnover. He kind of just kind of glided back towards the slot, like kind of let Cody Glass, get some body position on him. And then, you know, the rest is history. It's one nothing. And, and, and i I thought too he kind of was a little bit sloppy in his own end on that on that second predator's goal. So I mean good to see him make up for it in, in overtime. But yeah, to me, um, that's a huge weakness for the Jets is has been Neil Pionk's play, you know, and and the, the frustrating part about Pionk is, you know, you you think there might be something there. He had a really good season a couple of years ago and it's just kind of been a downward spiral from from there. And I, you know, I, I, I really worry about that pairing going forward. But with that being said, you got to give him credit for the overtime goal and he'll take the two points and, and hopefully, you know, that can be the, the the turning point for number four.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, uh, yeah, both of those goals tonight were not the finest displays of what Neil Pionk is capable of doing. They are maybe more fitting descriptions of what he does do. But I know that, um, you know, there, there's a better hockey player somewhere in there. Uh, but like you said, that that uh, first goal, um. Brennan Dillon was kind of down low with him there, but then he went back to the front of the net, which is where he should have been. But I feel like there was not enough winger support um, for, for Neil Pionk down low, which is a common occurrence with this team, and it makes him right. look worse than he is, which is hard, and it's the kind of thing that's, you know, when when you have a defenseman who is struggling on the regular, like, you need to support them too, and it's just, it's not helping him in any capacity. And I believe the forward line that was on at that time was Kyle Connor, Mark Scheifele, and Nino Niederreiter. So take your pick. One yeah. of them probably missed their guy and was a little bit far back on the play and wasn't uh, providing enough support, color me shocked. Um, but on the second goal as well, I think um, Brendan Dillon in particular really didn't look good on that goal. Um, and I think that pairing, when they get a little bit, you know, exposed, it, it's not ideal. Um, and that's going to be the kind of trend that you would continue to see as the quality of competition gets better as people become, more urgent with the way that they're playing hockey. And then also if they were to make the playoffs, they'd be playing in stronger competition night in, night out as well. So I think that there's, um, you know, a little bit to be said there. I actually want to talk a little bit about Brendan Dillon as well, just with my frustration with the fight, man, oh man, I hate fighting in hockey 96% of the time because 4% of the time someone's being a little shit and you need to go after them and you need to make them you know pay for being the worst but the other 96% of the time or whatever percentage I said earlier a guy makes a hit that he's allowed to make Someone comes after him And then all of a sudden You're down a defenseman For five minutes For just doing his job I get so frustrated With that type of thing It happened to Dylan Sandberg Last game too He makes a hit on I, I don't even remember Who it was Or this is two games ago I guess it was The last game over That I did I makes a hit Someone's hurt Martin Nook It was, it was against the Carolina And Martin Nook was hurt um, So one of their players Freaked out goes drops the gloves immediately dylan samberg has no choice but to fight and all of a sudden you're down you're arguably second third best defenseman for five minutes and it's like that i i i hate that um and that happened to brendan dylan earlier on in the game today and i was like man oh man this is so tiring
1: yeah for sure i mean that's a that's a hot topic around the league you know with those with those hits is you know should a player you know have to respond and uh, to me i think if it's a clean hit like I like I like I understand it from Nashville's perspective, right? They like they they want to be a tight group, they want to stick up for one another. And so I understand coming to the aid, but I, I really don't think you should be, you know, kind of forced to answer the bell if you make a clean hit. Like it, it really should be the onus should be on, on Dylan in that case. And I know Dylan's a guy that can handle himself. And so he, he'll certainly answer the answer the bell and, and drop the mitts there. But yeah, to me, I I just kind of think that I, you know, I, I, I do get it from the perspective of the, uh, you know, opposing team where, you know, they, they want to stack up for their guys, but I, I don't think you should be forced. And I mean, we did see the, the instigator penalty called on that play, Finally. which put the jets on a power play. So I wonder if that's kind of something that's been talked around the league, you know, with the GM meetings, if, if they're putting that in play or, or, or what, but, but certainly, uh, haven't seen much of that around the league this year. And yeah, it was, was certainly, uh. I was kind of puzzled. I didn't expect it, you know. But by, by by definition of the rule book, that's I guess how it should be called. But you don't really see the the rule book be one hundred percent enforced. Doesn't mean much right now. In the, yeah, in the NHL, you know, the rule book gets enforced only half the time. So yeah, it, it was certainly interesting to see. But uh, yeah, I, I see your point. It's it's not always necessarily, especially because it's it's usually a, a scrappy kind of fourth line forward that'll go out to fight. So for the other team, like, losing losing that doesn't matter. But when you're down, you know, Dylan, and you've got to go 5-D, it, it, it definitely can, can hurt, especially if, you know, it's five minutes, but uh, they got to get a whistle, too. So sometimes it can extend to six, seven, eight minutes, and, you know, that, that, that's a bit of a big loss. So, yeah, I, I definitely see your point there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's more just the kind of thing where, you know, full transparency, if someone hits Nikolai Ehlers... I'll be like, okay, Brendan Dillon, go punch him in the face, please. Thank you very much. Like, obviously, (laughs) it's a very selective thing. But it's just, like, kind of annoying when you're watching it. You're like, this sucks. And now you're down a guy and your parents are all thrown off and everyone's all screwed up. But um, I want to talk a little bit about the bottom six tonight. Um, So, obviously, Morgan Barron has been kind of a hot topic among a lot of Jets fans as of late. Uh, I think that he's been playing some decent hockey. I've liked a lot of what I've seen. I think he's become a little bit more... (laughs) Um, strategic in a lot of what he does. Like, I think before he was the kind of guy that, um, you know, it it would remind me of like a children's toy where you would like crank it up and wind it up and you just hold him on the bench. And as soon as his shift starts, you just drop him and zoom, he'd go. Like, he just like had a lot, he has a lot of go in him and he always has. But sometimes that go would result in him, you know, kind of being all over the place. And you're like, why did you do that? And all kinds of things. I think that he started to look a lot better. I think he's been very strong on pucks um you know very you know Hustly and, and gritty in all those different areas like but in a very very good way I don't like using those buzzwords, but sometimes they're warranted and I think a player like Morgan Barron um, in the way that he's playing right now kind of warrants that type of description um, But I don't think that if you want to continue to see that from him um, That playing him with Sacramento line and, and Kevin Senlin is the best fit for him um, So obviously with Pierre-Luc Dubois being back in the lineup tonight There were some lines that changed going into this game. So what are your thoughts on that kind of deployment of the bottom six and and where your allegiances lie with where players you think should be playing?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I've definitely grown to appreciate Barron, you know, a little bit more as the year's gone on. Um, To be honest with you, I didn't really see too much of the appeal with him earlier on in the year. I I, I will give him credit. I think he's been a a lot more dependable and reliable um, as of late. To, To me, I still think in this playoff run, I have absolutely no issues with him, you know, being on the fourth line. I guess my only gripe is that, uh, as you said, uh, you know, throwing him out there with, with Saku Menelainen, who's had a really rough goal of things lately. And, you know, he's an excellent penalty killer credit to him for that, but you know, he's just at, at five on five, he does nothing. So any positive thing that Baron will, will do to create, you know, be heavy on the forecheck, you know, make some nice plays. What uh, whether it be, you know, a, uh, and uh, you know working really hard and, and and winning the puck off the off the wall or going and getting a dump in or you know doing those those hard nosed things it's just well when you're doing it for kevin sinlin and, and sake Menalainen, you know it's 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 not that effective most of the time I guess my my biggest uh, issue with Baron is is the lack of finishing but uh you know he is only what is he 23 24 he's still he's still young so so that could certainly develop and um you know I, I see a lot of the comparisons to perhaps an Andrew Kopp and that would be such a welcome addition um, to the, to the Jets roster. You know, I think Kopp is a guy that the Jets do ultimately miss, although maybe not at the money that he got paid this summer, but, but yeah, to get back to your point on the, uh, on the bottom six, I mean, I, I, I do kind of like Baron and Lowry as, as kind of a duo. So it, it is a little bit unfortunate to see those guys split up. Uh, I, ideally for me, I think that is an awesome fourth line, Baron Lowry, and guy which probably guy would be filled in with Mason Appleton right i think that that's a pretty solid fourth line to me you know when Perfetti comes back if if assuming that they do make the playoffs i think that i wonder if he would have a nice little fit with the mesnikov the the problem is is that's a little bit more of an offensive line and that that bottom six is just it just has no offense so i, I don't know who would be the third guy with them but, yeah, to to, to me, I, I do kind of like Barron and Lowry together, and and it's awesome to see Lowry get back on the score sheet. He's had such a rough goal of things lately, at least offensively. And, I mean, to be fair to him, he has had a rotating door of wingers for most of the year, and he's been uh, elevated into the second-line center role at some times, which I think is a, a role that's way over his head. And, you know, he's kind of had the waiver wire wingers, uh, you know, alongside with the ride for him for, for plenty of the year. And so... You know, it is it's good to see him get, get kind of rewarded and play that hard nosed game and, and and get that huge goal for the Jets. But uh yeah, I mean with Nemestikov there, I think it, it could maybe add a little bit more of an offensive element to to that line, which has been just so desperately needed for the Jets, right? Like they've they've just been so poor with that with the depth scoring and, and, and the and the bottom six just, just not able to find the net. And so, you know, uh one game there with Nemestikov and they're already on the score sheet so maybe that's something to look forward to going forward um but yeah i mean we'll see how it all shakes up during playoff time but i think for me uh i really am hoping that perfetti can get back and healthy so that hope- hopefully we can finally see saki miniline and hope. because uh you know as as i mentioned really good penalty killer but just everywhere else it's kind of Like, what do you do here?
0: (laughs) No, for sure. And I think you make a good point about, uh, obviously, that Lowry goal. Um, And again, it goes to our point. Lowry was in a perfect position there. To pot in a loose rebound That came It was, it was a good shot Like it, it was the right Kind of shot For that type of thing And you had the guys And you had the support Down low To capitalize on it So obviously super nice For Laura to see that um, But speaking of the Bottom six a little bit I kind of want to talk a bit I was I was telling Justin I swear I was writing this Before the goal was scored But I didn't have time Because obviously Nashville scored So damn fast After the Winnipeg Jets Scored their first goal um, But <clears throat> I understand That there are complexities With line matching And, and what you're kind of strategy is for deployment in all these different areas, but I personally really dislike putting out a third or fourth line Immediately after you score, I think it's momentum is so 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 huge Um, in a game like hockey that's anything but a game of isolated events when so much relies on you know capitalizing on bounces and and managing situations and things like that. Um, I think you need to put your foot down while the other team is a little bit on their heels, they're a little bit surprised or taken aback or whatever. Um, So, I really dislike immediately you know Nikolai Ehlers scores a beautiful slap shot from high up on the left circle and who goes out there Adam Lowry like that's not what you need to continue to generate that offense when they obviously needed it that was the first time they've been on the score sheet all game now it's a tie game it's a game that you've been you know dominating in a lot of different areas um, especially when it comes to possession time and all those different types of things so it's like Why wouldn't you try and put your foot down while you have the chance? And obviously, Lowry is a very strong defensive forward in in most capacities. um, So him getting scored on is not the issue for me here. Like, obviously, you don't want the team to score. um, But it's the fact that it looked like Bonus was just resorting to want to defend as opposed to keep pushing with offense um that's an area that I've struggled with the Winnipeg Jets for a couple years and maybe I don't watch other teams closely enough because maybe everyone does this Um, but do you have any thoughts on that and kind of the um just like kind of as an indictment to the lack of offense that we've seen from that bottom six and how that sort of um can can almost kill your momentum if it's deployed at the wrong time
1: right well honestly to be honest with you just in general I think that Rick Bonus has deployed that that third line a little bit too much this year you know i think for the longest time there it was cutting into nick either's ice time and and blake wheeler too at, at some points and, and they were getting you know 13 14 minutes a night which, which was lower than guys like appleton and lowry which like you know i'll, I'll do respect to those players they're certainly you know a, a little bit more effective in the defensive zone than ehlers and wheeler but, uh, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, when you look at the uh, results, the end results for those players, you know, Lowry, there's a reason that Lowry and Appleton are considered bottom six players and aren't making the big bucks. And so to me, I just think that that's just been a problem just in general. Uh, the the kind of, you know, uh, just kind of defaulting back to that to that bottom six a little bit too often, um, especially when, yeah, they're they're just so one dimensional They're supposedly good in their own end, but they just don't create anything back. So it's a net zero. And and yeah, I mean, specifically too, in, in game states where it's it's close, you know, uh, or the Jets are leading, Bonus kind of does have that tendency to sit, you know, we saw Cole Perfetti earlier on in the year, as soon as the Jets had a lead and the Jets were defending a lead, he would be strapped to the bench, which is kind of interesting considering he actually, when you look at the uh, uh, analytics, he was one of the best defensive uh, metric forwards that the Jets had and so I I just think that that Rick Bonus he kind of he kind of can't help himself I don't know if it's just that kind of old school uh, coaching mentality or or what it is but he just kind of defaults to in those in those tight game situations to have such a huge trust of his you know third and fourth lines and sometimes it it comes to bite them you know kind of in the butt and it definitely did there on that on that Nashville goal as they erased all that momentum and yeah you know, that's just an area that the jets like even if you go back to that tampa game where they you know took the lead was it one or two goal lead i can't remember and then uh tampa challenged and they got the power play and you're like oh well they could really put this game over here if they can you know get a power play goal have a nice power play even you know keep the momentum but all they did was have one of the worst power plays all year and you know give up a was it did they give up a shorty or was it just a uh a penalty against either way it was a it was an ugly power play and you know just just kind of capitalizing that momentum it's 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 kind of gone haywire in the last few weeks and I think some of it does have to do with the kind of just uh you know the tendencies to fall back on that on that bottom six and and maybe trusting them a little too much
0: yeah absolutely and I think it's the kind of thing where you know if you look at you know uniquely um, something like the beginning of, of overtime, right? Out they put Morrissey, Kyle Connor, Mark Shifley, and then the second unit, Neil Pionk, um, Nicola Ehlers and, and Pierre-Luc Dubois you know who your guys are that are going to generate your right. offense like and th- exactly. that's what you need at that time so don't you know typecast someone as something they're not because like that's not going to solve any problems for you so um, I think that kind of covers the general gist of um, you know the in-game specifics that I wanted to talk about um, you know Peg City Hockey brings up a really good point in the chat about how much of um, se- like sellers Nashville was at the deadline and and the fact that they're still so close so how important these games are going to be moving forward obviously the interest division ones are the most important but um every game that you can eke out two points is going to be extremely important moving forward for the Winnipeg Jets we've talked about it all year and it's still true the west is super open and if you can get the right matchup or you know just get into the playoffs or anything we know that so much can change um in in that scope and in all those different areas so it's really important for the Winnipeg Jets to find ways to win games like this Justin and I were talking before we jumped on about how this was shaping up to be the kind of game That the Winnipeg Jets always lose um, The kind of game where it's like You actually don't want to complain About too much of what's going on Obviously there are some uh, areas Where they're struggling And so, some areas where you can pinpoint Some weaknesses and things like that But generally speaking um, There was a lot of good going on And these just seemed like the games That the Winnipeg Jets would just You know, choke and give up A really bad goal and And lose and things like that So pulling out a win on this Is really important And what do you call What is like the hockey guy term Identity win? Is It feels like an identity win A little bit you know, that's, I, I hate that term, um, but it's the kind of thing that every win from here on out is going to be an identity win. So it's going to be really important <laughs> that uh, the Jets continue to to do what they need to do to, to eke out these wins. So um, back at it again tomorrow, of course. So I believe the game is in St. Louis, correct?
1: Uh, yes, yes, I think is. so.
0: So these back-to-backs are always a little bit scary, but St. Louis is also a team that uh, they may not be in... in the same type of playoff race that the jets are in right now but interdivision games you never want to lose those and it's always you know a fun time when jordan Biddington's going to be in net so it'll be very interesting to see what well, happens he's uh he's night. suspended isn't he oh right i think yeah that, right. mr goodwill hunting the, is out it's
1: uh, flurry there on uh, during the middle of the week there i think he's i think he's suspended so
0: <laughs> oh my gosh he's so unbelievable. no meltdowns <laughs> Yeah, Mr. Goodwill hunting is just uh, you know main character of the NHL at all times in the worst (laughs) way possible but uh, so yeah we'll we'll be back here uh, tomorrow I have a guest Mike Gould is going to come on with me so we're going to chat a little bit about the game it's going to be a ton of fun and then Brady and I have a couple of other guests and and fun things lined up for the rest of the season and hopefully we'll be catching you all um, at all of those games as well as some postseason ones uh, after the 82 game season is up so Justin thank you so much for jumping on uh, game over with me today uh justin and i are both very active on twitter we've been longtime buddies on there since we've found each other over our mutual hatred slash love of the winnipeg jets (laughs) so if uh you're anything like us make sure you go check us out on twitter um so my handle is at l y s s h o u d e and justin i believe yours is at justin underscore l underscore 99 correct you got it yep Excellent. So yeah, you guys can check us out on there. And we will always be back here on Game Over Winnipeg on SDPN, uh, where there's always a lot going on to cover Winnipeg Jets games. So thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in this afternoon. Enjoy the rest of your evening. I guess I can kind of say that now because it's 4.30 p.m. uh, And we will see you tomorrow.
1: Game Over! Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook.